Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. <sighs> we did it! I still can't believe we got this project done so fast and so well. When I'm in New York. I'm in Chicago. And I'm in L.A. But we're making it happen in Miro. Together. Our best work just happens faster on Miro's collaborative online whiteboard. No more scheduling meeting after meeting for work that could happen from anywhere. Whether it's getting design feedback here. Mapping timelines here or brainstorming next steps here. It all just happens on the Miro board. Exactly. And it's nice not having to wait an entire day to get sign-off from this guy. Hey! Well, it is true. See how Miro users save up to 80 hours every year by meeting less and doing more. Get on board at Miro.com. The first three boards are free forever. That's M-I-R-O.com. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. everybody welcome to another brand new episode of the geek buddies (gasps) (laughs) well we are back again another week to talk about uh, the best geek news stories happening in the world of entertainment we're excited to do so so much to get into can't wait to do that and also we've got a little bit of a how can we say this a little bit of a tribute in our main topic today for sure and for those of you who are new thank you so much for joining us uh, for the first time for those of you who have come back every week thank you so much for staying on the geek buddies train we keep building keep building keep bringing more and more people onto it and we can't thank you all enough let's introduce ourselves i am the outlaw john roca writer producer host here on the outlaw nation joined to my right or left uh michael vogel writer and producer of animated tv shows and movies and on the end over there this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, The Goldbergs, and Silicon Valley. Ooh, and we got so much to get into, boys. So much happening. You know, things are starting to ramp up. I mean, this is traditionally when we'd start to look at the summer season coming 
here in 2021. And it certainly feels that way, whether streaming or in the theaters, especially after the great performance of Godzilla vs. Kong. We're starting to hear about some more movies being moved up, some movies being moved back to take advantage of these theaters opening. Uh, and we're going to get into some of that certainly here. Uh, the way the show works is each of us takes one geek news item, then we take a bit of a break and jump into our main uh, topic. And our main topic today, as I mentioned earlier, is a tribute to Arclight Cinemas and the Cinerama Dome. But I want to check in with you two gentlemen. How are you feeling? How are things as we're ramping up into uh, into uh, April here and going already uh, into uh, May? How are you feeling? I'm feeling really good about entertainment. I'm on a clock today because I got my second shot this morning Yay! and I'm probably going to pass out at any second. So we're going <laughs> to, I got to make it through Geek Buddies and then I'm going to sleep for 24 Fair hours. Fair but, uh, but yeah, no, I'm feeling great. But like, yeah, like it's, it's to your point, uh, you know, it does feel because so many things got pushed back yeah. because we are kind of rolling into summer and a lot of uh, the studios we're assuming that this is when things are going to get better because we are uh, a lot of people are getting vaccinated, getting their first shot, getting their second shot. It really does feel like uh, we're finally going to get uh, summer movies and summer yeah. entertainment again. And, you know, between all the movies that are coming out, between theaters reopening, between all of the stuff that's out there, like you said, in streaming, like Falcon and Winter Soldier and Loki and all the things yeah. coming. Like we actually uh, we made it through our dry spell and we have a lot to talk about. So yeah. it, it feels good. Shannon, how are you feeling uh, uh, as we're getting into the summer season here? Good. You know, I got my I got my first shot a week and a half ago. Mm. The the next one's coming up in about two and a half weeks or week and a half, another week and a half. I'm not sure, but yeah, I mean, I've been back to the movie theater um, once with once with Mr. Vogel and once with Mr. Roca to a very uh, exclusive screening. <laughs> um, uh, I love I love going to the movies. I yeah. love going to the movies. I mean, one of the first things that I did when the movie theaters were back open is I went and saw News of the World. Like I had mm. been thinking about watching it on premium video on demand, and and movie theaters opened back up. That was one of the things that was still playing. I was like one of two people in the theater, and I just love being back in a movie theater. Mm. Outside of that, like yeah, I mean, I, we've been so fortunate with streaming that we've had yeah. a, a lot of good stuff to take in a lot of good stuff to talk about. It'll be interesting to see once the theaters are fully back open with all the stuff that we have on streaming, if we're yeah. actually going to have time to work. Um, <laughs> good point. But, but right now, like, yeah, I mean, I, def I definitely can't complain. Universal is opening back up officially on Friday. I will nice. be performing at the annual pass holder preview tomorrow. Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. We'll see yeah. what happens. Whew. Oof. Well, let's get into our stuff for sure. Yeah, we are around the corner. I got my shot yesterday, so I'm in the process as well. All three geek buddies, one finished the process, the other two in the process, hopefully to finish for sure. And we'll see if Mike passes out by the end of the show. Let's get into our <laughs> yeah. by, the, by the end of this, I'm going to be like, I remember one time at the Cinerama Dome. <laughs> Flibble flabber. Flibble flabber. <laughs> Uh, we'll see all right uh, we'll start uh with me i think with the trailer speaking of the summer movie season around the corner we got two awesome trailers back to back just before we started recording today yesterday day of the dead dropped in this morning a new fast nine trailer dropped two movies that a lot of people are looking forward to feel like summer tentpole movies certainly day of the, uh, day of the, the army of the dead rather coming after coming after uh, zach snyder's successful uh, uh reissue of his version of justice like i would say overall so people are excited to see this this new trailer really focused on dave batista and i'll tell you you know one of the things that struck me as i was watching this trailer of course we'll get your thoughts as well mike and shannon is i felt like 
I forgot that Dave Batista was ever a wrestler. For just a little bit through the trailer, it occurred to me that I am mentally transitioning out of this idea that Dave was ever a wrestler and really starting to see him as an actor, as an action star, as a guy that can lead a blockbuster film like this. And it looked fantastic. Uh, we'll jump into Fast 9 after this, but what did you guys think of the Army of the Dead trailer first? Go Mike, for it, Shannon. Yeah. Oh, I uh, I loved it. I loved that trailer. I thought it was great. Uh, I I have I have a problem with fast zombies. They freaked me out. Yeah. Like I like my zombies slow and shuffling. I can handle <laughs> slow and shuffling. I know what to do with it. I've gone through zombie training. I've watched enough movies and TV shows that if the zombies are a shuffling, I feel like I have time to respond. <laughs> Anytime there's fast zombies, I get very uncomfortable. Uh, but yeah, look, this was like, it was such a Zack Snyder trailer, and I don't say that yeah. in a negative way. I, in, it is, it's shot beautifully, it's got the perfect song to it, it is, it is the music video of movie trailers, and it's done really, really well. Uh, you know, as we've, as we've talked about Zack Snyder, despite my issues with, uh, with some of his, uh, more super heroic, uh, choices in his career i mm -hmm. love the dawn of the dead remake which is where he really kind of like kind of got his start uh kind of came on the scene and mm -hmm. he knows how to do a really fun zombie movie and this is a zombie movie on zombie steroids uh you know it's like it's kind of like it feels like the next step in zombie movies we've we've seen so much between walking dead and every mm -hmm. version of uh night of the living dead and everything else like we've seen enough zombie movies that just having the outbreak isn't enough so yeah. now we have the heist during the outbreak. Right. Uh, and it, it looks great. Uh, zombies that are organized, also mm. big, big no-no for me. Freak me out. Also <laughs> zombie tigers. Also zombie tigers. But yeah. uh, uh, Tignataro is probably my favorite part of the trailer. I just mean... because Tignataro's like, well, I'm going to come in and replace a problematic person. And you're going to splice me into that. And people are going to lose their shit. And I was one of the people that lost my shit because I think she's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, you mentioned the cast, Mike. That's a great point, Shannon. Anna de la Reguera is in this thing. You know, we know her from uh, uh, from Nacho Libre. Hiroki uh, Sanada, who was in Avengers Endgame, but also in The Last Samurai. Garrett Dillahunt. Uh, as I, we mentioned, Dave Batista, Ella Purnell. A lot of it. Tignataro, Omar Hardwick, Matthias Schwagover. This is a good cast of names not big names and maybe once you get past the dave batista not too big names but names that you could tell from the trailer are really going to flesh this thing out give the right appropriate amount of shock and horror and also jokes what did you think overall as you were watching this one well it seems like they definitely got the right people for the roles mm -hmm. i mean dave batista he is he is your name in it um yeah. and he's he's the name maybe above the title um, but the other actors that they had, they might not be above the title, but these are people who have a wealth of experience. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's a really, really good sign. Um, and, and and to the Dave Batista of it all, like I was not, uh, I was not a, a, a wrestling fan. Um, so when he came on the scene, like I, I was introduced to him through Guardians, and then yeah. watching him in in the Blade Runner sequel, which I was not a fan of that movie, but I really liked his performance. There's just this quiet gravitas that he has that it's almost like you take that character he played in Blade Runner, uh, uh, was it 2049? Um, mm -hmm. And then put him in this. And he's just he's just a really, really interesting guy to watch because he's huge. I mean, yeah. like, even, yeah. <laughs> even without anyone on to, to compare him to on the screen, the guy is enormous. 
But yeah. when there's actually something behind those eyes, like it's re it really reads through to the audience. And it definitely was a Zack Snyder trailer. Like the first trailer, to me, that was the Zack Snyder movie that I didn't want to see. That was just like, <laughs> and everything is awesome and badass. And this right. one was a little more like, oh, this is an interesting story. And again, outside of The Walking Dead and a few movies here and there, I'm not a huge zombie guy. But seeing mm -hmm. like, oh, so they can, one, they're fast. They can yeah. communicate they can organize. I'm like, oh, this is legitimately terrifying. I right. mean, a, a zombie with a with with an axe to grind seems like a way scarier proposition than than the shuffling zombie. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, the only issue that that I personally have is like, this is something I would like to see on a big screen. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm certainly happy to to watch it at home on Netflix. Well, most theaters are open in LA, and we'll see if they start to kind of approach the possibility of dropping these in the theater certainly they didn't do justice league in the theater for a number of reasons i'm sure but this is a first-run movie so there's a possibility that they could do exclusive screenings in certain cities for people to enjoy certainly i would love to see this in an imax if they even shot it in imax we shall see but we're, we're a little over a month away may 21st is when this thing is dropping i'm hoping that i can shake my netflix context hard enough to get an early screening of this and see it because i am super excited uh to see this thing and i love the pat i love what you bring it up mike because the, the zombie tiger that's the icing on the cake right there that's that's the cherry rather on top of the cake is the zombie tiger. You immediately think of Siegfried and Roy. What happened to them? And with a zombie tiger, how do you train a zombie tiger? That's well, not easy. And it's just like it's the fun <laughs> of it's it's the fun. And Walking Dead did this really good for a lot of times. Is like yeah. how many different ways can you have a zombie attack in a way that you've never had a zombie attack before? Right, right. And there's always like how do we one up it? How do we one up it? Uh, and in addition to you know fast uh, organized zombies with motivation, which like I said. I'm going to have nightmares, yeah. but, you know, setting it in Vegas, like the set right. pieces that you can do in a casino, right. uh, you know, in a giant pool at Vegas, like the things that you can do that are very Vegas specific, including the uh, the showgirl zombie, the Elvis right. zombie, the tiger zombie. So it just gives like giving it a little bit of that specificity actually means you can have a lot more fun than just, oh, we're in the suburbs and we have to go get something out of a house. Like yeah. this is Ocean's Eleven meets Walking Dead meets mm -hmm. Zack Snyder. And so it's going to be really fun. I think, I hope. Yeah, I hope so too, brother. And, and don't be surprised if we start to feel sympathy for the zombies. I mean, we've got love stories going on from that trailer within the world of the zombies. And if they've kind of set this as their home, these, these people invading their home, trying to take something of value from their home, that's something that could be an, a thing that could be turned in many different ways for sure. Because this doesn't look like a heroic group of people they're putting together uh, overall. And you wonder what the Dave Batista's backstory is if he's offering him, Hiroki Sonata is offering him $50 million to do this. What was he before? So we're going to find out all of that as we go along. Uh, and you talk about fast. I have a feeling that Night Train to Busan was a bit of an influence on this movie. Probably World War Z, the better parts of World War Z. Yeah. And even I Am Legend, where we had that kind of romance between the two zombies. So you play that out. It's the natural progression of things for sure. Uh, another, speaking of Fast, uh, Fast 9 trailer dropped as well. This one almost four <laughs> minutes long, kind of a three and a half minute trailer. Basically the whole effing movie. I, I stopped the trailer about three minutes in because I was like, if I see any more, I won't need to see the movie anymore. It's a little frustrating, but maybe they felt because it had been a while since you'd seen anything from them that they needed to remind you that this was coming. So we got that trailer as well. Certainly a lot more about the backstory between John Cena and 
uh, Dominic Toretta, uh, I mean, John Cena and uh, Vin Diesel, who look nothing alike, by the way, but somehow he's his little brother. Certainly, Char Charlize Theron. There were a lot of rumors that Charlize Theron was working with Dom, but it seems like she might be working with Cena against Dom in this. We get a little more Helen Mirren. And then Han is back as well. Uh, uh, Shannon, what did you think of this trailer? Well, uh, as you said, after after a three and a half minute trailer, you really don't need to see the movie, and that's kind of where I'm. That's that's the camp I'm falling in. Um, these 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 movies are not made for me. I mean, they're, wow. they have they have they have a huge fan base. I am just not one of them. I went and saw Hobbs and Shaw, um, and I believe it was with me and Johnny went and saw it. And I'm like, hey, yes. this, this was this was dumb fun. I like The Rock. I like Jason Statham. Um, the actual main Fast and Furious franchise, I think I've only seen like two or three of them. And okay. I, I just can't, I can't get past it. Can't get past sort of the silliness of it. Um, okay. Cars with magnets. I mean, I was like, oh, that's, that's actually really, really cool and clever. Um, John Cena as an actor, like, I think you put him in the right thing and he's pretty funny. Mm -hmm. um, trying to act kind of badass. I don't know if that necessarily, necessarily translates from the ring and onto the screen yet. Mm -hmm. Um so I will probably not be first in line to see this, but I certainly recognize that this has a very devoted fan base. And my guess is that they loved what they saw. Yeah, Mike, I mean, Justin Lin directs this one. He's coming back. And this one's called F9, I guess now is the official name, even though everyone's kind of calling it Fast 9. But we get more of the backstory. Mark, what, is this your type of franchise? And did this appeal to you overall? No. Wow. But... No, right. but, but, but no, but I will actually say I, I have a, I will say this, like I'm kind of in the Shannon boat, like the fast franchise is not my franchise, but I have a sort of grudging respect for it as okay. opposed to like, say like the Transformers franchise where I love the source material of Transformers. I worked at Hasbro. I worked on a lot of the animated series. I do not like those movies mm -hmm. and I think they're a mess with the Fast <laughs> and Furious movies. I get. You say <laughs> to right his face. You say to his face. <laughs> listen, listen. I have, I have talked to Optimus Prime, sir, and I can guarantee you, he and I are on the same page. Me and Mr. Cullen have had some chats over some whiskey. Uh, but no, I think that I think the Fair thing enough. with the Fast franchise is, despite the fact that it's not really my jam, and I'm kind of with Shannon and the this is a little too silly to me. They yeah. get what they are. They know what they're about. And you watch this trailer, and this trailer is split right down the middle. It is 50%. Here is crazy shit we're going to do in our cars. Yeah. And here is 50%. This is all about family. Mm -hmm. You don't leave your family behind. This is about family. We are a found family. We will be there for each other. Even John Cena coming in and being the brother. Everything about the DNA of this brand is family, family, family. Super heroics in cars. Super heroics in cars. So... Mm -hmm. They know what they are, which is why we're nine movies and a spinoff into it. Yeah. Uh, and not in the way where I just roll my eyes and I'm like, this is a garbage movie. Like, it's not my movie, but I'm like, this is what it is. And every trailer I see, like, I'm like, every time a trailer comes out, I'm kind of like, maybe this is the one that I'm going to go see in the theater. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll go finally see this one. And now that we're out of a pandemic, maybe it's the time, maybe it's time for me to finally Go see a Fast and a Furious movie in a theater. We'll see. I'll keep you posted, but don't 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 expect too much from my response to it when I see it. All right, fair enough. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I, the only my only issue with the trailer is that it showed too much of the movie. That's my only issue. But I was already down to see this thing, and I agree with you, Shan. I don't I don't necessarily 100 buy John Cena when he plays 
badass. Like I think Dave Batista does that way better than Cena does. And Cena's kind of working towards it, but his comedy chops are great. You've seen in a number of films of what he's been able to do and TV shows. So I have no doubt there. So we'll see how much he's actually in the movie and what the storyline. And I'm more concerned about how they make Han work in this thing. Last we saw Han, he was getting killed upside down in a car. So I'm a little curious to see how they make this work. And we certainly got more of him in the film. And it seems like he's working with the crew again. And again, for the love of God, Dom Doretto probably dies seven times in this trailer. But somehow he lives. You know, so I don't know. You can you can say not today all you want. But there's two huge missiles coming at your, at your face. So I don't know. I just feel like there, we've reached that point where it doesn't really matter. Because there's no after effects of what he's doing. And apparently everybody has learned in their off time of shooting all these movies or being in all these movies in the universe uh, to learn how to fight really, really well. So I don't know. It seems crazy at this point. My, my big issue was the movie was, was when they asked Vin Diesel and they said, how do you want to play this? And he said, we're going to play it fast. And nobody said furious. Nobody said furious. <laughs> Guys, you expect Tyrese to be, and not furious? We're not doing furious now? <laughs> if you're going to say it, go all the way. Don't give me 50%. That's true. That's I, true. Did, I did think it was funny when they were talking about how John Cena was this international assassin, and, like, he's huge. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, assassins typically can creep in places. Like, I'm not doubting this man's killing capability at all, but I think the ability to sneak in someplace might elude him. Yeah. He's no John Cusack. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. I do, I do feel like, I do feel like in a movie franchise where people are, like, driving cars over buildings, through buildings, and off cliffs, yeah. the whole concept of sneaking is yeah. really sort of that's a great point. That's there's there's levels. Point. There's levels. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> there's layers like an onion. All right. Uh, let's. Uh, what's our next? Uh, oh yeah, that one comes out uh, from Justin Lin. I think June 25th is the date on that one. Yeah, June 25th, 2021, ladies and gentlemen. This year, it's around the corner. Uh, a little bit over two months away. So get ready. Get ready for the hype on this one. Uh, all right. What's our next geek uh, news item? Uh, that would be me. Okay. Uh, it was announced this week that Lucy Liu will be joining Helen Mirren as uh, one of the villains in the upcoming Shazam sequel. Uh, she will be playing Calypso, a sister of Helen Mirren's villain, Hespera, uh, and they will be going up against Zach Levi as Shazam. Uh, now, as we talked about when Helen Mirren got cast, these are not actually DC characters. There's no DC counterpart. There is Greek mythology counterpart. Uh, both right. Calypso and Hespera our daughters of Atlas. Atlas is one of the uh, gods that Shazam gets his powers by. I believe he gets his stamina from Atlas, the stamina of Atlas. Hello. Uh, since Atlas held up the sky after uh, after he uh, beat on Zeus for a while, I think that's my <laughs> Greek mythology lesson for the day. Um, so really interesting. Given the fact that Atlas had a bunch of daughters, uh, yeah. this may, it, it's seeming like this maybe won't be the only casting news. Once we've, you know, when it was just one daughter of Atlas, you're like, okay, well, this could be a one-off thing. But now that we're two down, yeah. uh, and there are several daughters of Atlas, it seems like we might be pulling a little bit more from Greek mythology, and maybe we'll get some more announcements in the near future. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, when we left, when we ended, when we ended the last Shazam movie, uh, it wasn't, just Shazam, all of uh, all of Billy Batson's friends uh, and adopted family kind of got in on the godlike action. So maybe that's going to be a continuation, and we're going to get like a big old uh, match of like heroes versus uh, 
Greek mythology sisters. So we'll mm-hmm. see. But uh, I will say that by casting both Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu, they have locked in the gay nerd audience. Uh, <laughs> the gays are ready. The gays are here for it. We are coming to see Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu. <laughs> and we don't really care about what else happens in the movie as long as they're in it and doing awesome things. So we are ready. We are willing. We are able. Uh, but yeah, what do you guys? What do you guys think of this? Uh, Lucy Liu and Helen Mirren, sisters, doing it for themselves. Well, and I think in Rachel Zegler as well yeah. is one of the sisters. If, if I'm, if oh, I'm okay. correct, yeah, and all that three. Is, yep. she's going to be playing uh, Maria in uh, West Side Story coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, look, anytime like Helen Mirren, Lucy Liu, these these are two badass. These are two badass performers. Um, and, and it seems like Shazam only fights fights groups right now um you know the first movie he fought dr savannah and the seven deadly sins and this next one it's going to be the da- the daughters of atlas apparently mm-hmm. uh, what i'm curious about is because atlas is one of those gods he sort of invokes to turn himself into shazam is this going to get down to more of the mythology of the wizard and how he got his powers like i'm 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 really curious about this and i think part of it is because they don't have a comics counterpart um it, it's kind of evergreen, but at the same time, it's like, well, Shazam, he does have a rogues gallery. He doesn't have like the most expansive rogues gallery, but no, it's like, no. huh, I wonder why you chose to go with with to, to sort of uh, construct your own villain rather than doubling down on you know Mr. Mind, who we saw at the well, end. Of yeah, I was gonna say because with the closing, yeah, with the closing, with the post credit sequence in Shazam, you were like, okay, it's gonna be a little worm. Little worm bad guy. That's where we're going, and that does not. Or, but it could, like you know, you yeah. don't know. Like maybe they've got, maybe they worked out some plan where they're going to use Mister Mind in a way that he's going to attack Shazam by going after Greek mythology or unleashing the daughters of Atlas on him. So like maybe it all is going to tie in. Who knows? Yeah, I mean the way I look at this thing too is that look, how is uh, Wonder Woman not involved in this? Right, gods and all this. This could be a kind of subtle way or a deft way of connecting some of the properties that they're going to have moving forward doesn't mean it's necessarily an overwhelmingly shared universe but certainly some pieces could connect some pieces could have a, 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 I don't know something to do with this certainly black adam's going to have uh some connection to this of course because that's the universe but are they going to extend out to wonder woman what are we going to see is that going to be a part of this thing with all these gods and mythology and stuff in the back here I wonder, but I, I like the trailer. I'm sorry, I, I like the casting decision here. Obviously, we saw Helen Mirren in the Fast 9 trailer, so that lady still got it on so many ways. But Lucy Liu is someone that is really, how can I say this? She's selective about what she does, right? And so she was great at everything she gets added to. Like, I've never not enjoyed a Lucy Liu performance. Are the movies or the TV shows any good? That's a separate conversation. But I've always enjoyed Lucy Liu whenever she's yeah. added no matter how small or big the role is, she's always good. People still talk about her from Charlie's Angels, you know, small parts like in Lucky Number Eleven, but also Elementary. She's fantastic. She was fantastic in Elementary. Kill so Bill. That, Kill Bill, right. Or Anishi. I would argue second favorite character at times, favorite character for some people out of that whole Kill Bill uh, two movies. So I love this that they're part of this and we'll see. And they bring a good badassery and a good idea of comedy. So they're going to be able to play those comedic moments without sacrificing the stakes or being awkward or clumsy or eliciting groans from the audience. And that's a positive. So uh, overall, I think this is a very smart move uh, to add this kind of badassery to the franchise. You do really, it's a good point though about Wonder Woman. I mean, Wonder Woman in in the Wonder Woman movies between those mm. and what we just saw in Zack Snyder's Four Hour Justice League, like the Greek gods are 
pretty prominent. I yeah. mean, that's they, they they take a pretty central role as they do in the in the more modern Wonder Woman comics as well. So, yeah. uh, Greek mythology is definitely her jam, and so. Yeah. When Billy Batson kind of got his powers from uh, from the wizard, and they're sort of peripherally tied to the gods, yeah. it felt like there was more of a separation. But once you're bringing in the daughters of Atlas as a villain, it's kind of like, well, yeah, you probably want Diana to show up and give you a little bit of a like, let me tell you about my family kind of yeah. kind of thing. So uh, I, I don't, you know, we, obviously we haven't heard any rumors that she's going to be in it. It would be great if she was. I mean, right. that's the kind of stuff that I think people would lose their shit about is if she did show up. So right. we'll see. But that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. agreed. And then Superman, in essence, is a god himself. And he showed up in Shazam, not his face, but certainly the rest of his body in that uh, scene in the, in the cafeteria. <laughs> that, All right, uh, the, the stunt double did great work. He did fantastic work. Somebody, fantastic. somebody, get Bernie in here. Bernie, put that on. Stand right there. Bernie the stunt double. Yeah. <laughs> Bernie the bodybuilder. That's, that's the first. Uh, <laughs> that's the first new series from the Geek Buddies. Bernie the stunt double. Uh, <laughs> all right, all right, where are we? Uh, uh, anything else to add to that, Mike? Or, or are we jumping no. on to our next thing? We'll okay. see more, more, more news as it comes out, uh, and we will shazam you with it. Absolutely. And Black Adam just started production. So that's that's in motion. So that's going to be exciting to see as well. All right. Uh, where are we off to, uh, Shan? Yeah. So last week it was announced that the untitled Indiana Jones sequel, Indiana Ooh. Jones 5, that's going to be helmed by James Mangold, added their first character to join Harrison Ford. And it is Phoebe Waller-Bridge from nah. Bag. Uh, so this is a movie that I'm really kind of struggling with because mm-hmm. kingdom of the crystal skull turned out so not great for me harrison ford is almost 80 <laughs> um <laughs> at this point like like indiana jones was born in 1899 like, at this point if they're following harrison ford's age like the movie's gonna be in the 70s mm-hmm. so i'm kind of like i don't know what this movie is like obviously james mangold to give to give a character sort of a swan song, like he, he's coming off Logan, which is a fantastic movie. Yeah. Um, but I've really been struggling with how to feel about Indiana Jones 5. Uh, the addition of Phoebe Waller-Bridge is really interesting and good news to me. I'm like, that is a cool, that's a cool presence to, to have bounce off of Harrison Ford. Now, at this point, we don't know what kind of character she's playing. Uh, I certainly hope it's not a villain. I would love to see her be an old student of, of, of Dr. Henry Jones Jr., a student maybe who never met him because he was always out uh, traversing the globe, finding finding MacGuffins. Um, but just the, just the fact that also Phoebe Waller-Bridge is a very successful writer. I mean, she was... The, oh, what was the, the BBC show with Sandra Oh? Uh, uh, the name uh, is... Crashing? Dr- Oh, you no, talk no, about no. Killing Eve. Killing Eve. Killing Eve. Oh, yeah. Killing she, Eve. Right, yeah, right. she was she was the head writer on Killing yes. Eve for the first season. She Show wrote first season. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, the idea that she's going to be in there, I mean, mm. uh, of the litany of issues that I had with with the fourth Indiana Jones movie, I, it just wasn't kind of the snappiest the snappiest interactions between Harrison mm. Ford and Shia LaBeouf. Um, the addition of Phoebe Waller-Bridge, I think, provides a lot of really cool opportunities for what the story could be. But, gentlemen, what do we think about Phoebe Waller-Bridge joining Dr. Henry Jones Jr.? Mike, what do you think? I, I, I'm, I'm kind of in the Shannon boat. Like, I, I'm, right, I'm in the place with Phoebe Waller-Bridge right now where you could tell me she's in every movie that's coming out in the next year, and I'd be like, cool, cool, cool. 
And I know, you know, with any with any actor or actress or person like that never lasts. Eventually, you're going to be like, okay, I think we had enough. But I I have not had enough of Phoebe Waller-Bridge yet. I think she's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to Shannon's point, I think she doesn't just come in as a, you're a great actress. Like, she is a great creative force. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so far whether she comes in to do work on the writing side, like she's doing with the upcoming 007, or whether she's coming in to be an actor, uh, a performer or something, she's always bringing something fresh and a little bit different. And I think that's what Indiana Jones needs. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, I think to Shannon's point, I'm excited for, I almost look at this as like a Kingdom of the Crystal Skull redo. Like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was clearly in their minds at the time, like, this is the handoff. is going to be the next Indiana Jones. This is the handoff movie. And nobody wa- nobody wanted that handoff. Yeah. Like, that was just I, not a handoff that was going to work. It seemed like even Shia didn't want that handoff the way he was yeah. in that movie. Yeah. It, it, just, it just was not... I, I don't know. As opposed to, like, the Star Wars films where every, every film or every trilogy has their fans and their detractors... I think that we are all sort of unified in geekdom around Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I know very few people that are going to be Kingdom of the Crystal Skull defenders. Mm. Uh, And so I I really look at this as a redo. And given the James Mangold Logan of it all, I would love to see a movie where they just let Harrison Ford be 80. You Mm. know what I mean? Like, I, I think that the concept of an older Indiana Jones who's not going to be swinging around on his whip because his hip is bad yeah. is interesting. Like it's, it's, that is a more interesting take to me than let's prop Harrison Ford up and then get the stunt double come in and let us believe he can do that. And so I think if they go down a road where they lean into, this is the seventies, this is not the serialized 1920s, thirties anymore. This is a different world and you're a different guy. That could be a really interesting movie that does feel like the Indiana Jones movie we deserve. But I, I know enough about Hollywood executives and giant movie franchises to know that there are probably plenty of people who are scared shitless to do a movie like that. So we'll see yeah. if it happens. But the addition of Phoebe Waller-Bridge, as opposed to several people on Twitter, uh, to me is a big plus. And I'm excited to see where she fits into all that. Yeah, I echo both your sentiments. I love the idea of Phoebe Waller-Bridge being involved in this. As long as they don't Kate Blanchett her from, from Crystal oh. Skull, then I'm all about it. You know, Kate Blanchett, maybe the rare role for her where she doesn't come off looking good when you're watching the movie because the overall movie is just terrible and the story decisions are horrible. But in this situation, may, you might be right, Mike, maybe they're doing a redo here or maybe, just maybe, and I know this will explode some of the male fans, but they could be handing the reins off to Phoebe and that's okay. Let's explore that. So many franchises are handing their leads off to women and not losing money while they're doing it. You know, Star Wars made $6 billion under Kathleen Kennedy's stewardship with Ray Daisy Ridley as the lead of these movies. Whether your feelings about them are one thing or another, but a number of franchises are doing this and making their moves in this manner. And so for me, I wouldn't be surprised. That being said, I also don't want her to be related to Belloc or anything like that. The Skywalker thing pops up. It rears its ugly head again. Oh, we can only talk about characters that were involved in the first movie. So uh, if she's a part of this, certainly her humor and her, her her work in Solo as L37, I mean, yeah. that's incredible work she did just with her voice. So let's see what she can do. Oh, in she this went situation. right into my, she's top five droids. Top five yeah. droids for me. 
Absolutely. And so let's see what she can bring to whatever role they're going to put her in. And let's see what, how she changes this very male-centric or male-focused franchise a little bit and creates space for a little more of a, of a evolution or advancement. So I'm down for it. I love it. She's a great addition. But I'm with 80. I'm with you. I mean, like, he's 80. What the fuck? I mean, like, well, I don't know. I, I don't know, dude. And listen, he's not a normal 80. Or, even if you're a normal 80-year-old, and like, you know, you didn't do too much. You, like, you kept in shape. You walked every day. You ate healthy. Even an 80-year-old doing the uh, Indiana Jones stuff at 80 would snap them in half. So you've got a guy who's got knees backs you know all kinds of joint issues doing all the shit he was into you got to pay the price for that unless we're dealing with a suspension of disbelief then at that point you might as well de-age him and go and, and make him 40 years old for in the movie the whole time so and make phoebe waller bridge's love interest would be which wouldn't be really uncomfortable so i don't know <laughs> I, I don't know what the story is going to be but i trust mangold he did an excellent job with logan if they go that route and uh, i think both of you were right about this if they go right that and they have to have the guts to show what Indiana Jones is like now, I think that would be a great way to do it, to be honest. And I have to expect that more casting announcements should be uh, should be coming soon because as of right yep. now, the movie is scheduled to come out July 29th, 2022. So <laughs> one, would think, one would think that they have to start filming uh, sooner rather than later. Hey, guy. Hey, guy. <laughs> we got less than we got over a year we get the year come on uh all right we'll see all right well that's our geek news items uh for this part of the show we'll take a quick break and jump into our main uh geek uh, news item here and that's talking about the shutting down of the arc light and uh cinema <sighs> and the cinema we'll be right back right after this Good really? my old girl, <laughs> my old girl, when you awaken, I'll oh be gone. My oh my God, what is happening? <laughs> uh, all right, there you go. That was uh, the great Shadow McClung with his, <laughs> his rendition. His I was waiting for more of like, a, I was waiting for more of like, a, it's so hard <laughs> to say goodbye to yesterday. <laughs> Yeah, I went That's to Broadway. Good. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, all right, well, let's get into this. Uh, we get this from a number of sources, certainly from uh, Deadline as well. Uh, but Decurian's crown jewel, the Hollywood Art Light Multiplex on Sunset, and its 58-year-old Cinerama Dome is shutting down. A number of other Arclight cinemas around the area are sitting down, are shutting down as well. Uh, even the new one that opened in Culver City, we found out from the article, uh, it's $181,000, $181,600 in arrears uh, for missed rent. It would have to pay that rent just to be able to open or work out a deal. And right now, there's not that money. They laid off their entire staff at a number of these Arclight cinemas. Uh, but for the three of us, this has been a place that we remember when it opened. We went to see movies here. We remember when the Cinerama Dome reopened and got to see so many incredible films here. Let's just have a discussion. And maybe some of you who are watching or listening to us have been to LA and visited these icons or have always wanted to come. Or you've had theaters shut down in your area that you've revered and have great memories from. So we're just going to talk about all of that. Uh, let's go with you, Michael. What was your reaction when you heard the news? What's the first thing that kind of popped into your heads and uh, head overall? Well, I mean, yeah, like you're saying, like, I mean, this is this is very Hollywood specific news, the Pacific theaters and arc lights closing. But like mm -hmm. uh, this is sort of the 
this is what's going to happen now. Now yep. that we're, you know, as we were saying before, the good part of things is the entertainment industry is coming back. Movie theaters, some are reopening. Everyone's getting vaccinated. Yep. But whether it be bars, restaurants, stores, movie theaters, we're now also going to see the things that just didn't make it after the past, you know, year plus that we had. Yep. Uh, and I don't think anybody in Hollywood was expecting that the arc light would be one of them because it is such a mainstay of Hollywood. Like if you don't know, uh, you know, the arc light, uh, and the Cinerama dome, which is located on uh, sunset and vine in Los Angeles in Hollywood. Like this is the place that everyone who makes movies goes to see the movies, yep. uh, going to the arc light, uh, you know, walking into that lobby, looking up at the giant screen that looked like airport arrivals gates for the movie times, <laughs> having the restaurant right there, the bar downstairs, the bar upstairs. Like if you went there on a Friday and Saturday night, you saw like everybody, you ran into people you knew, you saw people working in the industry, you saw celebrities going to see movies with their families and their boyfriends and girlfriends. Uh, and it was just sort of an amazing, it was the, it was the nicest place that you could go to see a movie um so yeah it's devastating news like literally you just watched it spread across <laughs> social media uh even in the hollywood reporter uh you know some of the quotes they had were um let's see uh uh, you know, John Chu wrote, sad news. I love this theater. I had my first premiere for Step Up 2 in the streets. I snuck out of the movie early so I could cut a piece off the red carpet and keep it. It sits in my desk. This is really, really hard. Uh, Moonlight director Barry Jenkins just wrote, fuck. Uh, even Ryan Johnson was like, well, this sucks. Every single person who worked at the Arclight loved movies and you felt it. Sending love to every usher, manager, and projectionist who rocked that blue shirt and made it such a special place. Blue shirt, though. Uh, blue shirt? We, blue shirt. It's a blue shirt. Okay. I changed my Facebook status. I still think it's like a purpley blue, but whatever. It's a blue shirt. It's fine. <laughs> I just I just want to jump in here real quick because Vogel sent a text to myself and our friend Sarah with a color, two colors on the side. One was royal blue, one was purple, and it had a guy, a, an arc light usher in the middle, and he said, look, it's in between. It's like, no, that is navy blue. Navy blue is not uh, in between royal blue listen, and purple. <laughs> I went to art school. That was not navy blue. Might be blue. It's not navy blue. Um... <laughs> But uh, but yeah, look, I mean, I, I was actually trying to remember the first movie that I saw at the Arclight or the Cinerama Dome. I can't Good remember. Yeah. But I saw, I remember, and, and all of us have seen so many movies together. Yep. I mean, yep. I saw, I know I saw Revenge of the Sith. At, mm. the, uh, at the at the at uh, the ArcLight theaters, yeah. um, I know that we saw Justice League, the Joss Whedon cut at the yeah. at this in the Cinerama Dome. Uh, I think I saw I think I saw Avatar in 3D like four or five times in the Cinerama Dome. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it was just a place that you went. Actually, the one movie that stuck out to me in my mind was uh, it's not not on the level of those movies, but. I am a really big fan of Spirit uh, Stallion of the Cimarron from oh, yeah. uh, DreamWorks Animation, at, uh, back when they were still doing 2D animation. Right. And I remember I was actually at a friend's house on a Friday night, and I was driving home on Sunset, and I would just randomly was passing. It was early. It was like, you know, almost 10 o'clock. And I was like, ah, I'm just going to see what's going on. I just pulled in by myself, and there was like a 10-20 screening of Spirit. It had just come out. Oh. And so I went in by myself to go see this movie, and it was right when digital projectors were really coming out. So like it was the digital projection theater and uh i think there was like three people in the theater wow. with me like i think there's like yeah. it was like 10 20 at night on a friday to see spirit um yeah. but like literally one of my favorite 
movie-going experiences I've ever had, uh, seeing this beautifully animated 2D movie on a digital projector by myself with a tub of popcorn at like 10.30 at night. Uh, and wow. that was what was great about the Arclight, is whether you were with a giant group or by yourself, like it was just the place to go see a movie. Yeah, yeah, Shan? Yeah, uh, the Arclight, there was just something different about it. And mm-hmm. it's, it's a really good introduction to Los Angeles if you're moving here. Um, yes. Because one of the, I mean, I remember the first thing I went and saw was Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. And uh, something that the Arclight does, like whenever you see, like it's generally like, like an Oscar movie. Like if they say, hey, this movie's coming out in New York and LA, this date, two weeks later, nationwide. When they say LA, they're talking about the Arclight. Like yeah. there are a handful of other theaters that it might play at, but when it's only showing in a few theaters, the Arclight was always one. And uh, specifically the Arclight Hollywood, which is where mm-hmm. the Cinerama Dome was. So that was sort of my introduction to these smaller art house movies, these documentaries playing on big screens, because at least in Orlando, we had one theater. We had one art house theater that had one screen. So if you didn't catch it there, you weren't going to see it on a big screen. And you come to some place like the Arclight, not only is it on, uh, on the big screen in like a really, really nice theater, but it might be on more than one because there are enough people in this city that want to check out those smaller movies. That's where they discover those, the, you know, the future filmmakers. Yeah. Um, I remember when we were going to see Revenge of the Sith, which I was, uh, I was excited for, despite my kind of like, eh, prequels, but you know, this is the one, this is the one he's going to turn into Darth Vader. Uh, Vogel let me know that we were actually going to be doing a, a double feature. And I'm thinking, why? Why are we going to watch something before Revenge of the Sith? And a group of us went and saw Mad Hot Ballroom, which is about uh, elementary school students in New York, this, right. this uh, you know, city wide. Yeah, they get their kids in the ballroom dancing. And I went into it. Also, Arclight tickets were are more expensive than, than a normal yes. ticket. Whoop. And I'm like, shit, we got to buy two now? Um, <laughs> but going in, I could not believe how much I enjoyed that movie. Like, it was just so enjoyable getting to see something like that on a big screen. And then after we watched Revenge of the Sith leaving for the night, I'm like, I can't believe I like the kid dancing movie more than Star Wars. (laughs) Um, But the arc, it was, yeah, it was just a special place. It was just sort of like, as Vogel said, that sort of airport of the future as you walk in. There was just, there was just a different vibe. I mean, it was always nice because, you know, they have a very nice restaurant there. You can get food. You can get a cocktail. Uh, at first, they had one theater that was 21 and up. And after a little while, they opened it up to all the theaters, I believe. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah, it's just, it's, it, it, it was just something different about it. And as much as I do like AMC, because that's the movie theater of my childhood. And, mm-hmm. you know, they are changing with the time. They've got those incredible lounging seats. Some of them, yep. you, some of them do have bars where you can take a beer or, or wine into a theater. Um, it just never felt, it never felt like the arc. Like there was just yep. something like, this is the movie theater for people who love movies. Yeah. And that's the thing at the end of the day, you know, and those of us, you know, the three of us said, I, at least the first 20 years of my life in LA, I'm now in San Diego, but like that was a Mecca, right? When it was announced, first you had the Grove and then you had the Arclight. 
And it was these two places you could go where you understood you were amongst film fans. They weren't going to open their candy in the middle of an emotional scene. You got limited amount of trailers, like three trailers tops. You had a staff that came out and spoke to you or talked with you before the movie started. You had all this stuff. You were taken care of in the Arkland. And it was assumed, and that's why the price was higher, and a lot of us paid the extra dough so we wouldn't have to deal with the idiots who would be on their phone or talk or just be stupid in a movie theater to ruin the experience. This was a mecca, a cathedral for those of us who worship at the altar of film. And we got to go see it, and we were safe in places like this. Uh, the popcorn was good. You can argue the food was good. Even <laughs> at the stands, they had a good selection of healthy and non-healthy options. If you wanted there at the stand, there was water. There was, like, other things you could get. And, yes, the bar. Water? They water. had water? High-end spring water, ladies and gentlemen. This wasn't no tap shit. This wasn't no tap shit you get at the AMC. This is high-end water. But, no, you also had the great restaurant. You know, many times the three of us would sit there and have food before we rolled in, or our whole crew would sit there and have drinks and food before we rolled in deep into a movie. But overall, as Michael said, you could go by yourself, and it was fine. Sit on the end, enjoy yourself, sit in the middle by yourself, and enjoy it. You knew you were amongst fellow film lovers, fellow film nerds. And when the Grove kind of went the way it went now, which is nowhere near where it was before, the Arclight became the one place you could go to. And the Cinerama Dome, by extension. And so many people, like me, who came to L.A. to pursue their dreams of film or TV or what have you, uh, the Cinerama Dome had that history. You know, it, it was constructed in 1963. There was a huge star-studded gala there for it with Buddy Hackett, Spencer Tracy, Mickey Rooney. Uh, Stanley Kramer had his premiere there. It's a mad, 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 mad world in 70 millimeter. And it's the only concrete geodesic dome on earth so when shannon says nothing else could match it he's absolutely right it is the only geodesic dome on earth showing these movies and it was incredible to go see classic movies there as well and he's right uh what the uh, gentleman said on the tweet there uh is right you knew or uh, ryan johnson you know when you were there though you could have great conversations with the staff about movies it was a blast and the fact that they, it might be shutting down fully and permanently is truly a, a sad day uh, in, in our lives, you know? Mikey, I'm sorry, you, you were going to say a couple things? This is one of the things that always, I always think of this when we're at the Arclight, uh, or when we were at the Arclight. My mom hmm. always used to say this, I'm sure everyone's mom says this, but like, you know, don't, don't say anything mean about somebody out in public because you never know who's listening. <laughs> and so like, like, growing up, like growing up in Gainesville, Florida, if you were like, oh man, that movie sucked. Like, I'm not overly worried that someone in Gainesville, Florida is going to be right. like, you know, I worked on that movie. But, uh, but I, there was, there's been more than one time when we have gotten out of a movie at the Arclight and we've all gone and gotten a drink at the bar after where we were all just kind of loudly talking about what we liked and didn't like. Where I yep. looked around and realized that there was, whether it was an actor or a director or a producer that you knew or somebody, you'd be like, maybe... Hey, maybe this is not the best place to rip this movie apart. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so always, every time, every time I went there, I always thought of that. Um, yeah, like, what do you guys think is going to happen? I mean, like, look, like, like, like we said, it's like the ArcLight theaters and Pacific theaters, but yeah. that's a giant theater space. Pacific theaters at the Grove, yeah. that's a giant movie theater space. Like, so what do we think is going to happen to these spaces? Like, is, do you think someone's going to come in and like, what's going to? I mean, well, all these. Oh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead, John. Go ahead. I was just saying real quick. All these celebrities who are crying about it in the theater, uh, in Twitter, 
listen, you motherfuckers can set aside a few million dollars combined and buy this thing, put it in charge of, you know, find somebody to run it. Like you can run your production company. You can find somebody to run this, pay off the rent, get it back going, because you want to see your film screened in the best possible ways. Well, put your money where your mouth is. I know that if I had $125 million sitting in the bank, I would absolutely set aside a million because of what that means, what that place uh, uh, has done and meant to me in my life and passing it forward or paying it forward to other people, other generations who are going to come to L.A. and appreciate films, other filmmakers who are going to come to L.A., make their movies and have them be screened there. Our friend Kay Cannon with Blockers uh, with Sorry You Blue. Like, that was a great night having our friends screen their movie right there for all of the, for friends and fans to watch and enjoy. So, that's what I would say. But uh, Shannon, I'm sorry. What were you going to say? Yeah, I, I, think- well, I just, I just want to say I'm gonna rem- I want to remember this moment. Yes. So that when you when you make the big bucks, I want to remember how free you were with your million dollars when I come asking for a loan. I can't take it with me, Mikey. Please. I'm going to ask you for the loan. Please. Go ahead, Shannon. I think, uh, you know, with the Americana, which is another big kind of the Grove oh, type yeah. mall out here, yeah. like that was a Pacific theater as well. I mean, I have to yeah. think that AMC would probably jump on that opportunity to probably. be in the other two big malls outside of Century City, um, that that I don't think those will those will sit empty. As for the art, like as far as the Arclight, I mean, there are other sort of higher-end premium theaters. Like you have the Alamo Drafthouse. Mm-hmm. That is certainly a possibility for Arclight Hollywood. Like I believe they already have one in downtown. There's also... Uh, uh, the IPIC, which there's one in Pasadena, there's one uh, over by but, UCLA. All right, let me check on that because I think the Pasadena one closed down. Ah, oh yeah, well. yeah. So keep going. <laughs> but there, but there's also, I mean, you know, Netflix recently purchased the Egyptian Theater, which is yes. uh, which is near near the Cinerama Dome in Hollywood, and so there's also the possibility that some studio or like you know Disney owns the El Capitan in Hollywood right. as well. Like there's the possibility that some studios or some of the streaming services, whether it be Amazon or you know whoever, might also uh, hop in and have these places where they could have big premieres for the things that are going to be on streaming, but also run a movie theater. And depending yeah. on how you feel about that, even when Netflix purchased the Egyptian, there was a lot of, uh, is this a good thing or a bad thing? But uh, at least thus far from what Netflix is saying, like it's actually going to be a bonus for the Egyptian and allow them to do more things and show more independent things as well. So, I mean, you know, there's definitely a possibility there as well. I would love it if if Netflix bought that Hollywood location and that's that's where they would premiere, that's where they would premiere Army of the Dead. That's where mm-hmm. they would premiere some yeah. of their big documentaries or even some of their series if, if they were gonna screen like the first two or three episodes for critics. I know a lot of folks on Twitter like reached out to Quentin Tarantino like yeah. he owns a theater. It's in Los Feliz, right? Um, yeah, but he also owns the, he owned the New Beverly as well. He bought that. Oh out yeah, that's up. that's the one I'm thinking. The New Beverly yeah. Um, yeah. that he does own a movie theater. Now, obviously, to buy the ArcLight, that it would be a m- much larger investment than than the New Beverly. And the New Beverly is a smaller theater. I mean, the ArcLight it is that's 14 screens, not yeah. including the Cinerama Dome, which is enormous. But yeah. As John said, one would hope all of these sort of upper echelon filmmakers would put their money where their mouth is and be like, you know what, let's, hey, DreamWorks didn't necessarily work out as a studio. Let's make DreamWorks theaters like, come on, Spielberg, Katzenberg. Let's let's get in there and and, and keep this keep this movie theater alive. Yeah, it's better. It's a better option than Quibi. (laughs) Oh, 
Katzenberg's out now. Nice. He's out. <laughs> you know what? He was going to do it, Mike, till he heard you say that. Yeah, but no, uh, the, uh, yeah, the IPIC is still open in Pasadena. This is my mistake. But they had shut down some of their uh, uh, theaters for a little while. Now they're reopening with new health measures. But three Alamo draft houses have closed throughout uh, mm. over the last year So because of the situation. So, yeah, we're talking about the Arclight, but it really is a universal thing that might be happening in theaters in your community for any of you who are watching or listening to us. Uh, and some of you who want, who are younger and are aspiring to come to L.A., you've heard of the Cinerama Dome. You want to have that experience. You want to be in that 70 million. I mean, so many great movies we watched there, so many great debates and discussions we had out in the lobby or out of getting a drink afterwards uh, there in the in the in the arc light so many great screenings uh, getting this i mean that was the thing for me as i was getting into this business this side of the business of the last few years getting to go to exclusive screenings at the arc light getting free popcorn free coke sitting with my peers who are paid professionally to talk about this shit and that i would even be in that company and then eventually be one of those people it was pretty incredible for that and how many dates that i have i don't know about you all but how many dates at the arc like did i go to and have a great time with these people whether it worked out or not it was great to just go to a place where someone could you know either you could tell if they were in your vibe or not about how they acted in a movie theater when you were going to see a movie so the arc was in essence kind of a, a hurdle you had to cross in order to keep dating in in in, in my world at least yeah the arc the arc light yeah the arc light date that is a, that's a barometer that's a right, yeah. if you take them to the arc light and they start talking it's like well this isn't gonna work out oh yeah i went to the arc light with a date one time from from bumble and she started talking halfway through hidden figures in my ear how much longer is this movie it's going to be longer than us. That's for damn sure. So, I mean, it was pretty much over from that moment. You know, it's a barometer. Aren't you, Mikey? I'm sure you've taken a few dates to the Arclight or had, had some fun. Yeah, because in the Arclight, you can, like, move those seats up. You can move the armchairs up. So you can right. sort of give a little, uh, hey, what's up? Uh, do, do a little stretcher. Do a little stretcher around. But don't <laughs> take my popcorn. That's mine. <laughs> I do remember when we went to go see Get Out at oh, yeah. the Arclight. And All right. We were playing Alfred Williams. Yes, like we were. It wasn't a crowded theater, but there were right. some people in front of us, and we were reacting um, as one would, as one, as the filmmaker would hope, as Jordan Peele yeah. probably hoped. Like we were laughing, we're clutching on to each other during yep. the tense parts, and as the credits rolled, Allison Williams turned around, who was sitting in front of us, like it was so much fun <laughs> hearing you guys <laughs> behind us. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we were reacting to it, you know, and yeah, like Micah said, so many great filmmakers, you'd run into them or pop in or just bump into them or see them in line, just like just like you going to appreciate a film, going to love a movie, because uh, as much as we, you know, the convenience of screening stuff now at our homes even the great ones love going to a movie theater and enjoying them. Certainly Christopher Nolan is a legend for testing his movies out in the Cinerama dome. He would go and sit down by himself and watch these and like have notes afterwards about what they need to do with the audio for his movies to screen them there. So a lot of people understanding it is the Mecca of movie theaters. I imagine Mike, your question, I think somebody has got to come around and uh, at some point and buy this up and it's just too valuable of a commodity and now that theaters are reopening uh, you know they're, they're going to recoup their money i imagine yeah i mean look and i think it's two different things i think one is look we're going to have more movie theaters and obviously as mm. shannon was saying with the grove or the americana like these are huge retail spaces 
someone is going to come in and snatch up those movie theaters. True. I think with the Arclight and the Cinerama Dome, it really is the fact that the Cinerama Dome isn't just a cool place to go see movies, even though it is. And it's not mm-hmm. a cool place to see celebrities, even though it is. Uh, but it's the fact that it, like, it's really, to Johnny's point, I mean, you know, in 1963, that from that point forward, it's sort yeah. of been a part of Hollywood history. And when you walk in there, given the way it was built, given the architecture, uh, given the spiral staircases on either side that go up top, like, it feels a little bit like you're stepping back into an older Hollywood. Mm. And I think yeah. that that was, was really nice about it. And as modern as the Arclight was, and as much as it had... Uh, the most advanced uh, projectors and had all like the bells and whistles uh, when you would walk back out and you would go into the Cinerama Dome you really did feel like it's mm. kind of a little bit about that of that uh, Hollywood of yesteryear that anyone who loves the entertainment industry and loves movies kind of loves and I think that's one of the things that I really like and one of the things that I hope despite the fact that I know we're going to get more movie theaters just like you know bars will be replaced stores will be replaced like yeah. there's going to be new things popping up all over the place in our community and your communities everywhere but the Cinerama Dome is such a specific part of Hollywood history mm-hmm. that I hope somebody comes in and does something really cool with it yeah yeah a thousand percent agree all right so we'll see what happens for sure and uh you know um we keep our eyes up keep our ears open and hopefully we hear about a conglomerate coming together and purchasing uh, uh, these uh, movies and theaters and opening them back up again to show uh, movies and show them at, in the same atmosphere with the same point of view, the same approach to it. You'd love to see that for sure. So we shall see if that ends maybe, up. Maybe, uh, maybe Geek Buddies Inc. Ooh, I like the idea of Geek Buddies Inc. We uh, have twenty five dollars. Is there something in this hand? Anyway, all right. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens for sure. But thank you all so much uh, for watching this episode of the Geek Buddies. Always appreciate you all watching us and downloading uh, the uh, podcast version of the of the show. It is available. In case you guys just have only discovered us on YouTube, you can always listen to the show or listen back to the show on our Geek Buddies podcast feed. Wherever you download podcasts, just look for the Geek Buddies. You can download it there. Shannon, what do we have to tell? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MKToon. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca Says. Mikey? Uh, look, you know what? No matter whether you like seeing your movies in fancy movie theaters or in the comfort of your own living room, we are here to give you all the latest geek news. Uh, and to continue doing that, there's a couple things that you can do for us. Like this post, subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page where you can check out all kinds of awesome content, geek and otherwise. Uh, and like Johnny said, if you are listening to us on Anchor or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, uh, leave us some ratings, leave us some stars, leave some comments. It helps us go up in the rankings and the best thing that you can do is share and retweet this video uh and let people know on twitter or facebook or just text them uh that you're like hanging out with these cool guys your new geek buddies and you want to share the love uh and of course definitely uh join us this weekend as we post our review of the fifth episode of falcon and winter soldier and on johnny's outlaw nation page check out all of the other geek buddies reviews of everything from mandalorian season two to wandavision and uh that's something that we will continue doing as well as our weekly show 
Absolutely. Bad Batch reviews coming soon as well. As soon as Falcon and Winter Soldier is done, we're jumping into that and then to Loki. And for those of you who may not know, Falcon and, I mean, sorry, uh, 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 Bad Batch will see the return of Laura Kelly as our uh, fourth uh, for those reviews. And we're getting Emma Fife to come back for Loki as well. So a lot of fun uh, there. We're looking forward to reviewing both those projects with those two wonderfully intelligent ladies. All right. Thank you all so much for joining us here. And we'll talk to you next time for another on another brand new episode of The... Geek Buddies! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.